Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. If you open your bulletin, you have an outline in there, we can get started in Luke chapter 15 today. This is week number five of the Miracle of Mercy. If this is your first time with us, we've been in a series talking about the number one characteristic of God, His mercy. You know, most people have a very poor misconception of God. They don't understand who God is. They think of God as sort of a bloodthirsty, vindictive person who is just waiting for them to mess up so he can zap them. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, God's greatest characteristic in this book right here, if you were to read it through, you would find more than his grace, more than his love, is his mercy. And that's why we're in this series today. Look up on the screen, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Jesus saves us not because of the good things we did. Would you agree with me if you did? Raise your hand on that verse, all right? (laughs) None of us are saved because of the good stuff we've done, all right? It doesn't even work that way. I know the world would have you to think that it's like that. You know, you talk to most people and you say, uh, do you consider yourself to be a good person or a bad person? I tell you what, 99.9999% of the people say, I'm a very good person. And then you start asking them some questions. Well, can I ask you, have you ever told a lie? Well, sure, I've told a lie. What does that make you, human I said, well, what if I always told you lies? What would you call me? Oh, I'd call you a liar. But see, I'm human. No, God doesn't grade on a curve. You're either in or you're out. But because of his mercy, he washed away. Did I say washed? I, I I spent some time in Texas, all right? Washed away our sins and gave us a new life Through the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to earth on a mission of mercy. Look at Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 with me here on the screen. There's two words I want you to focus on. Jesus, Him talking, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Do you see the word save? Do you see the word lost? How does Jesus put human beings in what two categories? You were either saved... Or you are lost. There's no in-between. Saved or lost. Which one are you this morning? If you're saying, I don't know, (laughs) guess what? See, when you're saved, you know it. When you're saved and you know it, well, your life will surely show it. There's no in-between. There's only two categories. I think sometimes we try to say, well, it's a little fuzzy. No, it's not fuzzy. Jesus sees you as saved or you're lost. And it doesn't really matter who you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, what nationality you are, what culture you come from. Uh, If you're male or female, it doesn't matter. You are either saved or you are lost. It's just that simple. It's just that black and white. Now, good news for you if you're lost this morning. 
you're worth seeking. Back one more. I have come to, what's the next word? Seek. If you're lost this morning, guess who's seeking you? While you were seeking Him, He was seeking you first. I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus illustrates this in Luke chapter 15 by telling us three stories. He says people are kind of like sheep, and they're kind of like lost coins, and they're kind of like lost sons. First story. These are all found in Luke 15. A shepherd had a hundred sheep. And at night, here's what shepherds do. When they're out in the field, they usually go up against a hillside or a mountain or a cliff, and then they build a kind of a a fence-like structure, because in the day they're out pasturing, they're out drinking, they're out going beside still waters and all that stuff. But then at night, he corrals his hundred sheep, and he makes like a little out of wood and briar and what have you, a fence to protect them. And then he's the door, the entrance. That's where he camps. He makes his campfire, and he's the door. He protects. And the last thing he does before he turns lights out is he counts the sheep. One, two, three, 97, 98, 99. Hey, I had 100 sheep. Well, let's do this one more time. One, two, three, 98, 99. I'm missing a sheep. You know what some shepherds would do? A bad shepherd, a hireling. Ah, 99 is good enough. I know there's one sheep out there that wandered away, probably in trouble, probably in distress, no protection. Ah, I'll cut my losses, I'm going to bed. The good shepherd doesn't do that. The good shepherd leaves the 99 safe and goes out in search for the lost sheep. And you know, lost sheep usually get themselves in some pretty difficult predicaments, but he searches until he finds. You know why a shepherd's staff has a crook on the end of it? Sometimes sheep fall down into little cliff sides and they've got to reach down and grab them by that hook and bring them up. And when he finds the lost sheep, he puts it on his shoulders, he carries it home, and then he tells all of his friends, hey, I had a lost sheep, I found my lost sheep, let's have a party. That's story number one. Story number two, he says, people are a lot like coins. Coins can get lost. Coins aren't intended to get lost. Coins have a purpose. Coins have tremendous potential. Money has potential to do a whole lot of good. But this particular coin got lost. And uh, I don't know if it was dropped from a table or a shelf, but it got lost. And, and, and the woman in the story says, I've got to find my coin. And so she swept the whole house. She found her coin. She called her neighbors and said, I had a coin, it was lost, but I found my coin, let's have a party. And then Jesus says, people are kind of like rebellious sons that want to do their own thing. And this father had two sons, and one of the sons came to his father and said, in essence, Dad, I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance now. And the father obliges and gives him his inheritance, and the boy takes off. And he goes to Las Vegas, Nevada, or the equivalent of that there to back in that day. 
And while he was there, a far country, the Bible says, he spent his money on riotous living. You, you get the picture, right? Rebellious boy, lots of pockets full of money, and plenty of friends when you got a lot of money, right? But then the money ran out. And guess what also ran out? The so-called friends. And the Bible says there was a famine in the land. It was so bad. The only job the boy could get was that of feeding pigs in the pig trough. And he was so hungry, he was tempted to eat the pig food. And at that point, he comes to himself. The Bible says he came to his senses. And he says, man, in my father's house, even the servants have plenty to eat. they got a bed to sleep in. they got a roof over their head. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and throw myself on the mercy of my father. And I'm going to tell him I've sinned against heaven. And in his sight, would you just make me a servant? Would you make me a slave? And he goes all the way back, and Father sees him. He runs to meet him. They hug. They embrace. And he asks his dad to forgive him and, and to make him a servant. And the father says, hey, you know what? It's done. It's forgiven. And then he tells the servants, go kill the fatted calf because we're going to have a party. My son was lost, but now he's found. you see any common denominators in these three stories? you got something that was lost. You got something that was found, and you had a party. They had a party over the things that were lost. Lostness implies value. You are so valuable this morning, if you are lost, that Jesus came to seek and to save you and find you. What do I lose when I'm spiritually lost? Well, in the case of the sheep, I lose my direction. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We strayed away. We're lost like sheep. We've all left God's path to follow our own ways. You know, no sheep intends to wander off. No sheep intends to get lost. It just comes naturally. And I've never met a human being that intentionally intended to be lost. But it comes naturally for us as human beings, just like sheep. Most people are sort of just drifting in life. And as you drift, you drift further and further and further away from God. There is no purpose, there is no direction, there is no destination. It's kind of like the World War II pilot who radioed in to home base, and the home base said to the pilot, Where are you? We cannot see you on our radar. And the pilot radioed back, I don't know where I am, but I'm making record time. And you know, that's how we go through life. We don't know where we are. We're just going very, very fast and making record time. Busy, busy, busy. Speed, 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 but no real direction. That's lost sheep. They lose their direction. And also like lost sheep, when I'm lost spiritually, I lose my protection. See, you need a shepherd if you want protection. Zechariah 10.2 says, My people are wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd to, what's the next word? protect, and to guide them. You don't have any direction. You don't have any protection. Sheep are vulnerable. They are vulnerable. They can't run fast. They can't jump high. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have claws to ward off the enemy. 
and attacks. Aren't you glad the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd? See, if you're saved, you get the Lord as your shepherd. If you're lost, you don't. And if you don't have the Lord as your shepherd, then you don't have any protection. You don't have any direction. Now, in the case of the lost coin, I lose my potential. That's the third thing I lose when I'm spiritually uh, lost. 1 Corinthians 2.9 puts it like this. No one has ever seen or heard or even imagined the wonderful things God has prepared and arranged for those who love Him. Now, how do we normally use that verse? Oh, man, one day when we get to heaven, we can't even imagine how good it's going to be. We can't imagine what God has prepared and, and arranged for us. The great potential that we have once we get to heaven. That's true about heaven, but it's equally true about earth. You've got great, tremendous potential right here and right now. But when I'm disconnected from God... I lose my potential to do great things. Would you agree with that? Um, I brought with me this morning, I am holding in my hand, a gold, or not a gold coin, a silver coin. This is an American Eagle. It's one ounce. You can buy one of these for, I don't know, between $22 and $25, depending on how many you buy and where you go to buy it. So let's say it's worth $25. It's round figures. Would you agree with me that with this $25, I've got some potential in my hand to do good for somebody, right? If somebody's hungry, a family needs some groceries, I could buy them some groceries with this coin. Give me enough of these, and I could buy them a car. Maybe they needed transportation to get back and forth to work. Given enough of these, I could buy them a house. Maybe they don't have a house to live in. Given enough of these, I could start a small business, and they can have a job. And employ others and help others. See the potential. If you have enough of these, I could support a missionary and souls could be saved. I could save a life with this coin if you have enough of them. I could leave, given enough of these, I could leave a legacy that would go on from not only my generation, but the next generation to come. But I can't do anything if the coin is lost. It's gone. Now, that doesn't mean it's lost its worth, right? It's still worth $25. It's just lost. It's not doing any good. You don't see it anymore. It's lost its potential to do good. It's still worth what the coin is worth. It's just now wasted. If you've ever lost a coin, that coin's wasted. It's gone. Years ago, my dad gave my son a set. I don't know why he would do this with a five-year-old, but a set of gold and silver coins. It was a collection. Gave it to him in a box, and he would play with them and do things with them. And He was in you know, playing with them and lost three of them. Who knows where? Put the set together and, you know, missing three. Well, where were you? Well, I was in Grandpa's car. And search the car. Well, I was in the den. I was in the backyard. I mean, those three things are gone. The set is no longer a set. Those three coins are still worth whatever those three coins are worth today. They're just wasted. No potential. And that's the human soul. That's the human being. 
that is still valuable to God, who's far from God and lost his potential. And then like lost sons, I lose my happiness. Look at Luke 15, 14. The younger son wasted all that he had been given, and eventually he became, what's the next word? Miserable. That's what you become when you're lost. You become miserable to yourself and to everyone around you. And then that's why you end up lonely. Because you're miserable and no one wants to be around you. Nothing destroys happiness faster than conflict in relations, relationships. This boy is now lonely and he's miserable because he had a conflict with his dad. He wished his dad was dead so he could have his inheritance now. And he ends up miserable and lonely. See, God designed you to be at peace with Him. God designed you to be not only at peace with Him, but to be at peace with others. And you can't be at peace with others until you're at peace with Him. See how that works? But when you, like the prodigal son, thumb your nose at God and say, God, I don't want anything to do with you, that creates conflict. Sometimes people come to me and say, Bruce, I don't feel as close to God as I used to. And I always have the same answer. Uh, Who moved? You or God? I guarantee you it wasn't God that moved. If you're not as close to God today as you used to be, you're the one that moved because you're as close to God today as you choose to be. It is your choice. That is on you. God is always where God has always been. And then, number five, I lose my home in heaven. God gives people the freedom of choice. If you say to God, like the prodigal son, Father, I don't want anything to do with you. That breaks God's heart. But He is not going to force you to worship Him. He is not going to force you to stay close to Him. And He is going to say, okay, have it your way. Kind of like Burger King. Have it your way. But one of these days, you are going to die. And one of these days, we're going to meet up again. And one of these days, I'm going to remind you that you had it your way. You didn't want anything to do with me in life. You didn't want anything to do with my kids. So now throughout eternity, I'm going to let you have it your way because obviously you're not going to want to spend time with me and my kids because your way is not my way. See, there are consequences to the decisions that we make. I lose my home in heaven when we have it our own way. I want riches, I want glory, I want power, I want position, I want prestige. Luke 9.25, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world if he loses his ever-living, never-dying soul? doesn't do any good at all. And these three stories illustrate that. They illustrate the reason why people get spiritually lost. Like sheep, we tend to naturally wander away and do our own thing and be our own boss. Like lost coins, we can become 
lost by the circumstances of life and end up in, you know, on dirty floors. You know, you know the thing about a lost coin is the coin doesn't even sometimes realize it's lost. Have you ever dropped something? Now remember in Jesus' day, we tend to have carpets, wooden floors, or tile floors, right, in our homes today. Have you ever dropped something behind you, and you hear it go, tink, 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 and you turn around and you don't see it, but you, you heard where it went, you kind of have a sense of direction, it's got to be around here somewhere, and you look high and low and you still can't find it? Well, imagine in Jesus' day where they had dirt floors that they would often cover with... Uh, uh, leaves or with grass, and now something drops from the table or the shelf onto the floor. Can you imagine how much harder it is to find? And so what did the woman do in the story? She had to sweep the whole house. But it was worth it because she found her coin. And people are like that. Maybe you got knocked off a shelf onto the floor by circumstances and you let that separate you from God. What are you talking about, Bruce? I don't know. I've heard of people that had lost a house in an earthquake and they no longer believed in God. They let circumstances. They got bumped to the ground. They hit the dirt and they no longer believe in God. We live in earthquake country, don't we? But if you live in tornado country and you've been watching television this last week homes lost devastated people lost do you stay faithful or do you let the circumstances of your life drive you away from god or a flood we had floods earlier this year do you let the circumstances in life the drop coin and you hit the floor Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's the loss of of a child, a loved one. All those things could cause us to turn away from God like lost coins. Don't do that. If I get anything from this is, they should drive me closer to God, not farther from God. And like lost sons, we choose to leave the loving Father. It is our choice. Now, here's what I want you to see. Although I may... Be lost in my direction. I may have lost my protection. I may have lost my potential. I may have lost my happiness. And I may have lost my home in heaven. What I do not lose is my value. I am still valuable to God. How does God's mercy save me? It's sort of multifaceted. Let's take a look at three or four things here. Number one, Salvation rescues me from myself. Anybody need rescuing from yourself? We, I have found in life that we are our own worst enemies. Most of my problems in life have not been caused by you. They've been caused by me. Would you agree with that? I need to be saved from me more than I need to be saved from anything else. Your biggest problems in life are you. And so who better to rescue you from you than God? Right? See why we need a Jesus? Do you see why we need a Savior? 1 Timothy 2.5, Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. He became a human and gave himself to rescue all of us. Now, you're not going to be rescued by trying. Some of you are saying, oh, I'm going to try really, really hard. I'm going to 
I'm going to pray, pray, pray every day. I'm going to even go to, go to church, and I'm even going to tithe, and I'm even going to go to Sunday school and growth group, and I might even come back on, oh, I don't know, let's say Sunday night. Will that get me to heaven? No. See, you're trying. You're depending on you rather than trusting in God. Do you see the difference? Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things are good. They're all good. But it doesn't happen by trying because some of you are trying and it's not working. You're not trusting. See the difference? Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Trust me in your times of trouble and I will rescue you. I, God, the Father. You cannot rescue yourself. Only the Father can do that. Number two, salvation recovers my potential. Remember like the lost coin, it lost its potential. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and worn out. You ever feel that way? I'm weary, I'm worn out, I'm tired from carrying too much. Learn to trust and then to rest in me. And you'll recover your life. You want a recovery? Learn to trust and learn to rest. Rest in Jesus. Salvation gives you your potential back. Oh, but Bruce, you don't understand. I've wasted so many years. I've, I've ruined my life. There's, there's, it's a waste. There's no sense of even trying. Well, the people of Israel felt that way when their crops were messed up and the locusts had eaten them all. And then Joel write in chapter 2 and verse 25, I will give you back what you lost in the years when the locusts ate all your crops you're going to get it back see jesus is the best recovery system you can find i got in this morning my internet on my computer wasn't working i tried everything to recover it and i probably messed it up more so i went to tony and to jedver and said help do not leave today thank you I needed a recovery system that was outside of me. Are you getting this? I need Jesus. I need God. I cannot do it myself. I need a recovery system. Jesus says, I'm your recovery system. I can restore your potential. Salvation gives you your potential back. And number three, salvation reconnects me to God. The Father in the story is representative of who? God the Father. And the Bible word for reconnect is reconciliation. I'm sure you men and husbands and wives never fight like my wife and I do. But sometimes when we fight, it takes a while. We've only let the sun go down on our wrath one time in our 40-plus year relationship. But isn't it nice when the fight's over and you kiss and you make up? That's called reconciliation. Ooh, and it's so good. Two nations can do it. Nations can be at odds with one another. And it may even come to to blows. It may even come to war. But once they sit down and they sign papers of peace and peace treaties, that's called reconciliation. Well, guess what? What are the two categories we started off with this morning? In Jesus' eyes, there's only two types of people on earth. Saved and lost. Right? And so if you're lost right now, You need to be what? Reconciled to God. You need to reconnect with God. 
Jesus has already done the heavy lifting. While you were seeking Him, He was seeking you. While you were far from Him, He was close to you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to change. He came in search of us in our mess. Salvation reconnects me with God. Now, Paul put it like this. Follow me on this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Anyone who connects to Christ becomes a new person. What do we call that new person? Saved. You were lost. You you connected with Christ, and now you're saved. That's what it means to become new. The past is forgotten, and everything becomes new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between Himself and us. Beautiful words. Christ died on the cross to reconnect us with the Father. How do I connect with God's mercy? It's real simple. You do the same three things that the rebellious son did in our story. First of all, I get fed up with my life. I get fed up with my circumstances. I get fed up with the way things are. I get sick and tired of being sick and tired of myself. I'm getting sick and tired of being sick and tired of this stinky, smelly pig pen, as in the case of the sun. Nothing happens in your life until you get fed up with the way things are. Remember in Luke chapter 15 in this story, there, there, uh, in, in verses 13 to 17, it talks about the sun. Uh, listen to these words, these phrases that we read earlier. He wasted it all. That was the money. He had nothing left. He got desperate and hungry. Then he finally came to his senses. He came to himself, the Bible said. And he said to himself, Self, Dad's house is looking better all the time. See, that's what it means to come to yourself. You look up. When you're flat on your back, it's the best place to look up. And he's looking up to the Father. He's looking to going back home. This boy came to his senses. Now it took him a while, but thank God that he did because some people never come to their senses. Some people never do. This boy did. Jeremiah 29, 13, this is God talking. God says, you will find me when you get serious. When you come to your senses, you'll find me. You'll find me when you get serious about finding me. And want it more than anything else. That boy wanted his dad at that particular moment it more than anything else in his life. Number two, he owned up to his sin. The boy in the story owned up to his own sin. We must own up to our own sin. And in verses 17 and 18 it says, When he came to his senses, he said, I have sinned against God and you. He didn't try to cover it up. He didn't try to hide it. He admitted it. And then number three, I offer myself up. You offer up yourself. Nothing changes in your attitude until you do this. Look look at these verses here. First of all, Luke 15. The son drifted away saying, Give me my share. That's how the story started, right? Dad, wish you were dead, sort of. But I want you alive long enough to give me my inheritance. Give me my share. Give me. See, it's about me. It's about my totally self-centered life. Now, 
the end of the story. He returned to the Father saying, Make me a servant. He went from give me to make me. Isn't that beautiful? Where are you this morning? See, there's only two types of people in this room today. You're either saved or you are lost. Are you still rebellious saying, Give me, give me, me, myself, and I, all about you? Are you ready to say, Make me a servant? Make me a servant. That's the attitude that God wants. And that's exactly what salvation looks like. The Father's response, Luke 15, 20. While he was still a long way off, his Father saw him. Oh, I like that. Well, what does that tell us about the Father? If you're far from God this morning, just like the Father in this story, while you're far from Him, He's still looking for your return. While the boy was a long way off, he saw him. I like that. God's looking for you right now. He knows where you are. He sees where you are. He's not going to force you to come back to him. If you're still in your rebellion, he's watching you. He hasn't left you. God's still where he's always been. If you don't feel as close to him as you did at one time, you're the one that left, not him. And he was filled with compassion. For him, he ran out to his son. Circle the word ran in your outline. He ran. Someone says, will God run to find me? You bet he will. This father ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son's going through the speech, Father, I don't deserve to be called your son. I've sinned against heaven in your sight. Would you just make me a servant? And the father says, ridiculous. But Father, I, I really messed up. All right, I understand that. But someone go get the, the, the ring and put it on his finger. That's the family insignia. It meant you're back in the family. It was like a credit card of the day. Your da- the first thing you come home, you've just wasted all dad's money. It's like your dad today handing over the family credit card. But Dad, I don't deserve the family credit card. I don't deserve to wear this family ring again that has all of your backing and all of your finances. Go get the robe. Would you put the robe around him? But dad, I'm not worthy of it. Would you go get some sandals? Look, he's barefoot. Get some shoes on his feet. But dad, I don't deserve this. Would you go kill the fatted calf because we're going to have a party. If you're lost today, it's because you choose to be lost. But God still wants you, girl. He still wants you, mister. He wants you. He loves you. And if I learn anything from this story, I learn this. No matter how far away from God you are, it's just one step back, right? And the Father runs to meet you, and so it's all better. Well, how do you determine the value of something? I don't know. You can just... Go to Kitco Gold or Silver. Look at, you know, go online and you find out how much it's worth. Want to sell your car? You know what it's worth? The blue book may say one thing, but it's worth what someone's willing to give you for it. Right? Isn't that true? You're going to sell your house? What's your house worth? It's what somebody's willing to give you for it. You know what you're worth? 
What did God send? What did God pay for you? He says you were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ himself. You don't even belong to yourself. He purchased you with his blood. And so we close with this verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what he thought you were worth. That's what he paid for your ransom so that whoever believes in him may not be lost, but have eternal life. Let's pray and let's thank him. Father, we admit it all. We like sheep have gone astray. We've all played the prodigal. We've all been that sheep. And the problem with lost sheep is lost sheep lose their protection and lost coins lose their potential and lost boys lose their home in heaven with the Father. But Father, thank You that it's good to know that we don't lose our value, that You still love us, that You still want us. Thank You for sending Jesus Christ to rescue us. And uh, if you've never done so this morning, if you've never accepted God's mercy, today is your day. Just say, dear God, I accept your mercy today. There it is. It's that simple. I've been far from you. I've done my own thing. I need to be rescued. I cannot rescue myself. And I'm fed up. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired with this pig pen. Make me a servant I humbly ask you, in Jesus' name, to let me in your family. Amen.